How's everybody? So this is the group that doesn't like to run. Right? So this is the group that doesn't like to go out and run marathons and 10Ks and half. I'm impressed. Sweet. And if the rain kept you off, I'm sorry. Everybody have a good week? Yeah. Sweet. Thanks, Josh, for your enthusiasm. If you could sit next to some people who have less enthusiasm, that would be great. So you said, <laughs> wow. You'll go to your Bibles and pray for Josh's soul. That would be great. Second Corinthians chapter 3, if you'll go there with me, that'd be great. So we are, um, we, last week we were talking about, we're in this series called Reflect God's Glory. And we read a passage last week and we start off in, first, or we start off in Second Corinthians chapter 3. And, and at the end of the service, I'd ask each of you to do something for me. And we ended the service last week talking about the story that God has, is writing on your heart right now. What is that story? What does that look like? And out of that story is, is how his glory is, is, appears into this world. And last week I wrote on mine, I wrote this, this word. And I would have it, but I did what I said I was going to do and I put it on my mirror like I asked you guys to do at home, so i got to rewrite it. But I, this is the story that God is writing on my heart right now, and it's trust. And the story that he continues to write on my heart, the story that he continues to write in my life is this story of trusting him day in and day out, trusting him with, with everything, trusting him with, with work, trusting him with this church, trusting him with my family, trusting him with my finances, trusting him with my kids, trusting him with my own growth and trusting him in every aspect of my life. And I come back to this piece that he continues to put this on my heart and continues to write it on my heart, this story of trusting him. And one of the things that, that we started off with as a church is we said, we said we have to be a church that continues to trust his leading and trust his guidance. And as a pastor, this is the story he continues to write on my heart day in and day out. And my prayer in all of this is that out of this, his glory would shine into this world. It would appear. And so last week we defined what it means for his, God's glory. What does that look like? What does that mean in today's world? Because we hear it a lot. We're to reflect his glory. We're, it's, a, it's about all for God's glory. We hear this phrase over and over again. And I think sometimes we just use these phrases expecting everybody to understand what they mean. And when it comes down to it, I think a lot of times we look back or we sit back and say, okay, I, I hear this a lot, but what does that look like? And so last week we defined it, and we defined it in this way. What does the glory of the Lord or glory of, of, the, of God mean? And we went to Isaiah 6, 3, and I'll read it for you. And it says this, And one called out to another and said, and these are angels in heaven that are, 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 are calling out this, and they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Or another version would say, is the Lord Almighty. And then it goes on and it says this, The whole earth is full of his Glory. 
And one of the things that's so interesting is it just says this word holy three times. And then it, you would expect it to come back and say it's full of his holiness, but it doesn't. The angels say it's full of his glory. And so when we look at this word glory and what it means and why we're to reflect it and all this, it's this. It, it comes back to this. We have a holy God. We have a holy God that no one can add to it or no one can take away. No one can define it. No one can, can even touch it. It's his holiness. It's who he is. It defines his, his existence. It defines our God in heaven. And what happens is this, is when his holiness is there and present and it appears to this world, that's his glory shining. That's his glory coming out. And so what happens in our lives is we allow him to write the story on our hearts, to write that word that I asked you guys to kind of define and come back to and to say this is what he is. If you look in this wonderful piece of paper that there's things we have in this world that remind us of his promises and they're called what? They're multiple colors. You see it after a rain. What are they called? Rainbows. And when we look at it, and it's interesting because there's been a lot of rainbows lately because there's been a lot of stinking rain lately. It's driving me nuts. Did you know grass grows faster when it rains? <laughs> Just in case you didn't know that. So do weeds. Yes. And I love this piece of paper because as you're writing the story, what appears out of it is this rainbow color. And it reminds me of his promises. And it reminds me that he has promises there for me. And as he's writing the story on my life, as he's writing the story on my heart, his promises are get revealed time and time again. And I can come back and I can say, you know what, my prayer out of this is that his holiness appears out of my life as I continue to trust him and to trust his promises. And that's my prayer for us as we look at this idea of what it means to reflect God's glory in today's world. That his promises, what he promises us, starts becoming real in our lives. And because of that, he starts to appear, not us, he starts to appear in this world. So people stop looking at me, Chad, and start looking at God. And I don't want to get this confused. I don't want them to, like us to think that I'm trying to be God. I'm not. All I'm trying to do is live a life that lives out his promises that allows him to appear through me to this dark world. And when that happens, things start to change and we start to reflect who he is and reflect what he's about. And, and one of the things that, that's so interesting is a lot of times we do not reflect what he is about. We fall short of it. And if, and if we were to truly look at our lives, a lot of times what we re, would reflect is maybe something called bitterness. And we have this bitterness that we have written on our heart or we think is written there or that defines us or that we try to say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to that because I feel comfortable there. And so we let bitterness reflect, we try to let bitterness reflect what's going on and that's not what God wants to write. He wants to write the story of forgiveness. He wants to write this story of grace and mercy. And see, so many times we hold on to this thing of bitterness and we, we hold tight to it. And we think that's what's going to define us. That's what's going to help us. Instead of letting that go and say, no, that's not my story. I'm going to let the story of whatever that is that he's writing right now in your heart appear and reflect who he is. And so I'd encourage you to go back and write this. We've got a couple of these out on the, on the table there. Feel free to grab one and write 
that peace. Stick it on your mirror at home and let, and let that be a reminder to you of what he's doing. Let that be a reminder to you of what he's writing on your heart. Today we're going to start off in verse 4 of chapter 3. And I, in, the, in this piece, I want to open it up by saying this. Have you ever been in a restaurant? <clears throat> Have you ever been in a restaurant? or Does anybody like to people watch? See, all of you smile, but you're not willing to admit it. I, so I'm guilty of this. When I'm in a restaurant, I'll be sitting there, and I hate to say this, but I start looking around, and I start seeing who's in a fight and who's not. Do you all do this? Like you can see which... I have this amazing ability to kind of read people and what's going on. I think it's because of my counseling stuff. But I can sit there, and this is sad because my wife's sitting there, and she's like, why aren't you engaged with me? And I should be. But however, I get, I get, I get distracted. And so I'll sit there, and I'll, I'll scan the restaurant. If you're ever in a restaurant and I'm there, don't be self-conscious. I'm judging you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what happens is this. You can see a lot based off of what's going on at a dinner table. You can see a lot based on facial expressions, and you can see a lot on body language and what happens, and you can see a lot by tone of voice and, 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 and what's being said and all these things. And so what's interesting is I can tell you right now that a lot of times how that relationship is going and what that relationship is based off of will reflect what's going on or, or what's happening in that relationship will be reflected by tone of voice, will be reflected by what's said, will be reflected by the way they carry themselves. And it's amazing it's true for our relationship with God. See, there's two things, and I hear this a lot lately. For some reason, I keep hearing this word. Well, I have this family member, and they're very religious. Okay. They're, they're religious. What does that mean? Very religious. And I keep hearing this. And, oh, I'm not, I'm not very religious. I'm not very, okay, what, what do you mean by that? And here's what I'm able to unpack so far in this. Is that when people hone down to it, they, they come down to this religion piece as being a set of rules they follow. That if they follow them, God will love them. And if they don't follow them, God will stop loving them. And I'm trying to simplify that as much as possible. See, when we, when we come into this religion piece, it comes down to, will I follow the rules there or will I not? And I know that if I follow the rules, God must love me more. And if I don't follow the rules, then God must hate me. And who wants to live underneath that? And so what's interesting to me is we have a lot of people who say, well, I'm not very religious. Well, that's great. I don't want you to be religious. What I want you to do is I want you to love Jesus, and I want him to change your life. And what's interesting is we get in this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we see this piece in Paul's life where he's trying to defend what he's doing. He's trying to defend his ministry. He's trying to defend what he's poured his, his life into in this church in Corinth. And one of the things that right in the middle of the passages we're going to get at, it reads this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, and he's talking about the church, we all with unveiled face, in other words, there's nothing covering it. There's nothing covering us. It's we're open. Beholding as in a mirror, another reflection piece, as we stand before a mirror, we reflect something. 
And it says this, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And this is the piece that we talk about reflecting. A mirror is a reflection of us. I go and I stand in front of the mirror. Sometimes I like what I see. Sometimes I don't like what I see. But in this piece it says, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And it goes on to say this, And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And it means this, that the Spirit is at work in our lives, transforming us, writing a story of His story and what He wants written on our lives, not the story that we're choosing or not the story that, that we think's written, written there, but the story that He wants to write, the story that reflects who He is, not who this world is. As he does that, he's transforming us from our heart because that's where the spirit is. That's where our inner being is. And out of that, we can allow God's glory to appear, to come into an existence. So that when people see this, here's what they see. They see a man that's trusting God with everything, even in the difficult times. And as I continue to trust him more and more, they stop looking at that and they start seeing that God exists and God is in this world. And that's what we're going after. But it all starts with the transformation. The piece we're getting in today goes beyond the story, and it starts here. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 11. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us Adequate as servants of a new covenant. And I want you to hold on to this new covenant piece. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses, because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory, in this case, has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Now some of you are sitting there like, what did he just read? Right? How many are like, what, what, is, what just happened? I read that and I said, what just, what I just read? Let me unpack it for you. Is that all right? Some of you are like, please do. And hurry. Here we go. You know, I talked about the couple or the family that's sitting at the dinner table. And what people can see, what people can observe, what people can go on reflects how that relationship is reflects what that relationship, if things are going well in that relationship or if things aren't going well. They can see, they can see that if there's some turmoil or if there's some disconnect there. Do you know that our relationship with God is the same way? That how our relationship with the Father is reflected into this world. 
And so we're reading a passage about the new covenant and the letter and all this stuff. And so we go into this, is this, in verse 4, it reads this, Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Let me just start off with this. There is a new covenant that we have, and we're going to get there. There's a new covenant that we have. There's the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant in the Old Testament, which is in the defined covenant, a covenant is this. It is agreement between two individuals, two parties. Sometimes a, a covenant is one that's mutual that we both come to agreement on. Sometimes a covenant is one that is presented to us and we can respond to it. Our Father in heaven gave, gave us an old covenant. The old covenant was this. It's here's the list of rules you need to follow. And if you don't follow this, you're separated from me. And if you don't follow these rules that I have written on stone, and if you think about this, they take a chisel, and back in then when they write on stone, they wanted it permanent. Like it couldn't be removed. It couldn't be erased. And so on this stone called the, that was written, the Ten Commandments, was a list of laws that we had to live by. And if we did those laws, then our relationship, if we fulfilled those laws, our relationship with God was good. If we did not feel, fulfill those laws and carry through, then there was a disconnect in our, in our relationship with God. And the reality of it is this, is there's not one single person in here that can look at those Ten Commandments or back in that day and say, yep, I nailed all ten of them, I got them right today. Because we all mess up. We all put other things before God. We all do things that, that, that would break those ten things in one way or another. And so you have this group of people that lived underneath this rule that said, if I, I have to fulfill, I have to do, I have to commit to doing these ten things that are there. And there are other ones, but let's focus on the ten. And if I do these ten things, then my relationship with God can be good. If I don't do these things with God, if I don't fulfill this, then my relationship with God is not good. I've got to go to a priest and I have to offer a, a sacrifice, and that priest has to sacrifice that animal, and that blood that's used has to cover that sin, and then my relationship can be made right. The old covenant. We good? List the rules. Follow them, you're good. Don't follow them, you're bad. Follow them, things are good with Jesus. Don't follow them, or God. If don't follow them, things aren't so good with God. You break them enough, and God's gonna, there's something coming. Old Covenant, the letter, it brought death. Notice the only way out of that is for you, the only way out of that is in the Old Testament is for that individual to go to the priest and offer a, to, to present a sacrifice offering, that a, a, that a sin offering that will be able to cover that sin and give you forgiveness. And you had to bring it, the New Covenant. It's an agreement between us and God. God presented it. We just have to respond to it. And here is, here's what it is, the new covenant. God said, I want a relationship with my people that's not dependent on you following rules anymore. That's not dependent on whether you bring a sin offering or whether you bring a peace offering, whether you fulfill all these lists of things. I, that, that's no longer relevant anymore. I want a new covenant with my people, with the people of this world that says this. I'm going to provide the offering... And because I provide this offering, 
and be, the sin offering, which is his son, Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. He gets buried, and he raises again on the third day. And because of what Jesus did, my sins are forgiven from here till eternity. From here forever. Past, present, and future. And because that sin offering was offered because of what God did and not because of what I did, it brings in this new agreement. And so my only response in a covenant, just like any covenant relationship, there's two pieces to this. There's what God does and there's my response. And so God created this new covenant that came into existence because he wanted to provide the ultimate offering, the ultimate sin offering that was going to cover our sin. And so we get into this new covenant. And because of this new covenant and because of this forgiveness, we can have a relationship with him. And I can either live underneath the forgiveness, grace, and mercy of Jesus or I can live over here trying to do everything right, believing that if I do things good, if I'm good enough, then I'll be able to have a relationship with God. And God said, that's no longer the case. It doesn't work. That's why I provided Jesus. That's why I provided a new covenant. That's why I provided this new way of doing things. Now, the key is this. In order for us to respond to this, we have to say this. I have to respond to what Jesus did. That's my part of the covenant. That's my part of what's that, that agreement that we have. And we get into this, and we get into this first piece that says this. Such confidence we have through Christ. Remember, Christ is the avenue in which this new covenant came toward God. The only way people could ever have a relationship with God before Jesus was through the priest. And the priest was the one that would go in and speak to God. The priest was the one that would go and have a conversation with God. People didn't. Everything had to be filtered through the priest. And God said, no, I want a relationship with my people. So here's the ultimate high priest, Jesus. And because of that, we don't need the priest. We have the high priest, Jesus. And we have access to the Father because of what Jesus did. Our access is no longer dependent on whether I'm good or not. Do you hear me? The access, my relationship is no longer dependent on whether I'm good enough. The access to the Father is totally dependent on Jesus Christ and what he did and my response to it. And so we get this access to the Father. And Paul's talking about this. Listen. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to do all this other stuff. Look, my, what I've done, what, what's going on in this church, what's going on in Corinth speaks for itself. And let me remind you, let me remind you that we have access to the Father through what Jesus did. Such confidence we have. You don't have to say, well, am I good enough to pray to him today? Am I good? Did I do enough good things to, to deserve forgiveness? Guess what? You've never done anything good enough to deserve forgiveness. It's a gift. Stop trying so hard to do be good enough. I got news for you. We'll never be good enough. Anybody mess up this morning? Yeah? I messed up five times. And then I stopped counting. Thank you, Dale. And that was at five in the morning before I even got to the Bible and opened it up. Guys, we're... 
Stop depending on whether you're good or not. Start depending on this new covenant called Jesus and what he did for you. And based off of that, we'll show the confidence that we have in going to the Father. And it starts when we put our confidence in what he did, something starts to reflect out of us. Something starts to show differently. It goes on in Ephesians 3, 11 to 12. It says this. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose that was carried out with Christ Jesus our Lord was, was this new covenant, his, his, his death, burial, and resurrection that gave us forgiveness, that gave us grace, that, that brought mercy into it, that was no longer dependent on me bringing a sacrifice, but that was dependent on the sacrifice, Jesus. And it goes on, it says, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. When you hesitate to go to your father with that thing that's weighing you down, when you hesitate and say, you know what, I messed up too much today. I don't know if I can ask for forgiveness today. When you're carrying that sin around, you're carrying that thing in your life that you just can't get rid of, and you're like, you know what, I don't think I can talk to God. I don't think he wants to hear from me today. Let me just say he wants to hear from his children at any time. That weight you're carrying is no longer your weight to carry. He already paid for it. He already took it off. You just have to walk out your part. And so if you're, you're, if you're afraid of the access or not getting access to God, Paul writes here in this, seg- in this piece saying, look, you have confidence because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. If I'm dependent on what I do, then I'm hesitant. And I'm too worried about all the rules I broke today rather than the Jesus that saved me. It goes on in the second piece of this. And the new, because of our new covenant, this relationship with him, our, this, it, we reflect his glory out of it. Number, the second piece is this. I am deemed qualified by the Father. It goes on in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 to 6. It says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. You ever wonder, you ever wonder you know, if you're qualified or you're like, ah, I don't think I'm good enough to do that. I don't think I have what it takes to lead out here. I don't think I have what it takes to serve here. I don't think I have what it takes to do this for Jesus. And here's the problem. In today's world, we have, and when you work for a job, when you have a job and you work for somebody, what do they like to do? Excuse me, I have to clarify this. If you have a good boss that actually cares about your growth, what do they do on a yearly basis? Thank you. They evaluate. They sit down, and then they tell you this. They tell you either you're competent in your job or you're not competent. I mean, the bottom line, that's what it comes, I mean, I'm sure there's other things that get said, but the piece that comes down to it, and we live on this piece, are you competent enough to do your job or are you lacking? And you look at those two things, ready? God's, that God's way of doing things is not based on whether you're competent or not. Serving God's not dependent on your competency. Serving God is dependent on what he wants to do and by transforming your life. 
what he has called you to do, he has equipped you to do. Or he is equipping you. This is the process that we go through as he transforms us. So many times we look at something and we say, you know what? And guys, I did this for years. I would let somebody tell me, you can't do that. You're not good enough. There's no way you could lead a church, Chad. You don't have what it takes. There's no way you could pastor a church. You, you, there's just nothing that's not in you. You need to come over in this world. You're not competent enough to do that. And I'd have people tell me this. And I was stupid enough to listen to them for years. Because I know what happens. We get in this place and we get caught up in this, comp, this thing of whether we're competent or not. And God doesn't ask about competency. He, he asks about, are you, are you coming to him? He asks, are you responding to his covenant? And when we respond to him, guess what he does? He qualifies us. We're adequate because he has made us adequate. We are qualified because he has qualified us. And when he puts something in your heart, walk it out. When he puts something there, pursue it with everything. It may require that you got to get some people around you to help you see the blind spots. And there's nothing wrong with that. You may need to surround people that are, that are gifted in areas that you're sure not. Guess what that's called? It's called the body of Christ and what he's built us for. But our adequacy, and when we talk about this, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. In other words, listen, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to do it all. It's not dependent on me. And that's the piece, guys, that's the piece that i got to learn to trust. That's the piece that i got to come back and look at the stories writing on my life is that i got to trust him and what he's doing and know that my adequacy, that my competency, that my, my qualification doesn't come from what I do, but it comes from him. And when I start to trust him, I start to see him reflected in that relationship. See, because it's not dependent on any other relationship. It's dependent on my relationship with him and what he tells me and what he speaks to me and what he pours into me. And the wonderful thing about it is sometimes he uses the people around you to speak into you. But i got to learn to trust him and what he says because sometimes the people around us don't always speak the truth. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But who do I trust? It goes on, he says, Our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a what? A new what? Catch this. That new covenant, that relationship that's dependent on what Jesus already did, should reflect out of our lives. That freedom that we have, knowing that if I make a mistake, I can be forgiven. Knowing that if I fall short, that forgiveness is there, that grace is there, that mercy is there. 
that this new covenant peace, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And then in this, we, got it. we come back to this new covenant piece of saying this, that no longer, the, for the letter kills, in other words, the rules, the regulation, all those things keep me in bondage. They keep me trapped. They keep me, they keep me held down because I'm constantly worried about whether I get it right or not. I'm constantly worried about am I perfect enough. Constantly worried about all the things I did and didn't do rather than dependent on the one who already did it for me. And it comes to this, and it says this, but the Spirit, in other words, because of the new covenant, because of what Jesus did, and I respond to that, the Spirit now dwells in me, and it gives what? Life. Life of freedom. A life that I'm no longer bound by all this other stuff. But a life that, that, that can pursue what he's given me to pursue. A life that's completely dependent on him. One of forgiveness, one of freedom. One that, that all I need to do is respond to. And I get this power that only comes from the Spirit to live this life where I'm no longer dependent or I am no longer have to be religious, but I can be forgiven. 1 Corinthians 15, 9-10 says this, for I'm the least of the apostles. And this is Paul himself. Basically what he's saying is, I've made my mistakes. I'm not perfect. For I'm the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But I want you to catch this. In verse 10 it says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If you don't have that verse marked in your Bible, mark it. For by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. When we start living out this and realizing that I'm qualified because of the Father, not because of what I do, do you know what happens to my life? I stop being critical of what others aren't doing or doing. I stop being critical and judgmental and determining whether someone is good or bad because I know I am who I am because of Jesus and the grace that's given to me, not because of anything I did. When I start living a religious life, in other words, when I start living a life of the letter, following the rules, then I start judging. Did you follow the rules today, Mark? Oh, you didn't? I followed seven. You missed the eight, nine, and ten, so you're wrong. We get very critical. You know who they are. Some of us may be even them today. Stop living under the law. Start living in his new covenant. Start living in the grace that he, that you are only who you are by the grace that he's given us. So I am deemed qualified by the Father, not because of what I did, but because of who Je what Jesus did. The next thing is this. 
10 Corinthians 3, 7 and 9 says this, But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was. When Moses came off the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he was glowing because he'd been in the presence of the Father. And it scared the living daylights out of the Israelites, so he had to put a veil over his face. Anytime he went into the Holy of Holies, which is the place where he went in to meet God, he would come out glowing because he'd been in the presence of God. And what had happened was, is because he was glowing, it scared him. So rather than scare him, he started putting this veil on his face. You guys with me? And so he comes to this, this piece and he goes, But if the ministry of death, remember... As harsh as that is, is that living by the rules puts us in bondage, and we don't like it because i got to follow the rules. And I don't know if you know this. You ever been around a little kid when you tell them to follow a rule? What's the first thing they do? I don't know if you know this. If you've ever been around your pastor, you give me a rule, what do I want to do? Thank you. Stop giving me a rule. I'm just kidding. All right. But if the ministry of death, right, and, and if I don't break it, I'm going to see how far I can bend it before I make somebody mad. Anyway. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones, so this is what we're talking about, that law, came with glory. In other words, it was good at the time. It came representing something. There was glory that was associated with it, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was. In other words, that wasn't the, God's ultimate plan for his people. And then it goes on to this. It says, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? In other words, this new covenant, this ministry of the Spirit, this transforming peace that takes place is, is, is associated with even more of His glory. It trumps the old one. It brings more of His glory. When we live in that peace, that new covenant, when we live in that freedom, we, when we are set free from the bondage of the old and step into the, the grace and forgiveness of the new, it brings about a new glory. So it's how will the ministry of the Spirit, the Spirit which works in me, fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation, in other words, the law having condemnation, you did right or you did wrong, has glory. Much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. And see, in my relationship, I live as I'm set free from bondage. I live as I'm set free from that trap. I don't continue to choose to live in it. It's not his plan. It's not what he has for me. That's not why Jesus came. Romans 7, 5 to 6 says this, For while we were in the flesh... The sinful passions which were aroused by the law. That, 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 that piece that says, don't do this. And human nature says, tell me don't do something, I'm going to do it. And then we got this, this thing going on. Which were aroused by the law. We're at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in what? newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter been bound by anything ever been trapped by something and that moment comes where you get released from it there's nothing like it nothing like it 
when I was in the Marines, we used to play these war games. And when you're, when you're playing war games, you're all out fun. But one of the things is you capture enemy. And when you capture them, you hogtie them. You know what hogtie means? Okay. It's not comfortable. It's not, it's not fun. And then you try to get information out of people, and that's not good either. Bear with me. When you're trapped in bondage long enough and you're trapped in that, that hog tie long enough, there's nothing like being set free. See, there's people in here today that you're still in bondage over something. You're still allowing the sin of your past or the sin of your present to keep you bound. And in your relationship with Jesus, what you're reflecting is this, this life of bondage rather than a life of freedom. Well, you're, what you're reflecting is a life of bondage, not a life of newness. And see, when, when Paul write this, he said, look, when our relationship with Jesus is underneath this new covenant, you no longer have to be bound by that peace. You can receive forgiveness and have newness of life. And that's the peace that we need to understand. When we reflect that in our relationship with him and live with that, that, that peace that I am set free, it reflects something totally different. Do you know that it changes our continents, changes our, the way we look, the way we go about how we interact with people? Watch people's faces when you're talking to them. Some try this week. Pay attention to people's faces when you talk to them. If you smile at somebody, see if they don't smile back at you. If you frown at somebody and mean mug them, see if they don't give you some look. The fact that we are set free should put a big stinking smile on our face. The fact that I'm set free should allow this joy to come out of my life. And when that joy comes out of my life, I'm reflecting who he is. And watch what happens to the people around you. Based off of my relationship with the Father, I will reflect his glory. 10 Corinthians 3, 10, 11, For indeed what had glory, the old, the old covenant, in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it the new covenant, which means I can have a relationship with him that sets me free. For, it, for if that which fades away was with glory, much, much more that which remains is in glory. Our relationship with Jesus and what we choose to live by, either the new covenant or the old, either his grace and forgiveness or a set of rules will show the world who we belong to. And if we belong to Jesus, we should be reflecting his glory by living in newness with him. And that's what people should see, that there's a potential for a relationship with a father based on what he did, not on what I can do. You know how freeing it is to live forgiven? Do you know how amazing it is to know that you can mess up 
and it be okay. Because the price has been paid for it. Forgiveness is there. There's nothing like it. And some of us have experienced it. Some of us are living in it. Some of us are still trying to grasp it. Hold on to it. Grab a hold of it. Let God do something amazing and may our relationship with him reflect his glory and his glory alone. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're writing on our hearts. Father, you are writing amazing, an amazing story on each of our hearts. I believe it with all my heart. That there is something you're doing, that your spirit is doing within us that is bringing about transformation, that's bringing about something different. And Lord, that because of what Jesus did, because of the life that he lived and the life that he gave up, I no longer have to live in bondage, but I can live in forgiveness I can live in grace. I can live in newness. And Lord, as we look at today, as we look at our own lives and what we're basing our relationship with, with, Lord, I pray, Father, that we would submit to the way that you have called things to be. And that's with this new covenant. That's with this new relationship. That's with trusting you and feeling adequate because of what you did, not because of what we did. That's in feeling qualified because you have called us, Lord, because you have changed us and you're starting to transform us, Lord, that it's no longer dependent on me, but it's completely dependent on you and what you've already did. And all I have to do is accept it and respond to it, Father. Lord, you called us to newness of life. And Lord, I pray, Father, that as we live in that newness today and each day, that your glory would be reflected in our relationship with you. That you would be it for us. That I'd stop depending on whether I'm good enough. And I would start depending on the one that gave his life. Thank you, Father, for that gift. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for transforming us. And Lord, may we continue to trust you each day of our lives as you continue to write that story on our hearts that will ultimately reflect your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 reads this. And this is what God said back before Jesus even came to the earth. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother saying know the Lord for they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord. When we know them for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. 
We have a God that's forgiven us. We have a God that loves us and provided a new way of a relationship with him. The question I have for us today is how are we letting that relationship reflect his glory in this world? So as we respond today, maybe you need to go grab a piece of paper. Maybe you need to think about what the story he's writing on your life. And you just need to think about what is that? Let me hold on to it. And if you can't think of anything, just write forgiven. And let that be your story for right now as he works and as he transforms. But as we respond today, we have the communion tables open. You guys can feel free to take communion as you remember what Jesus did for you. The other way is you can give. <clears throat> give an offering. A portion of what he's given to you, you can give back to him. So feel free to respond that way. There's also prayer cards if you need to take it. Write a prayer request on it. Feel free to do that as well. If you need prayer today, I'll be up front. You can come up here and I'll be happy to pray with you guys. Um, other than that, let's stand and sing and we respond how God leads.